Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with treats. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to The God Whisperers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. We're talking about the Lord's Supper still, and uh, still. we will be for many, many years to come. So this is becoming the the Lord's Supper program now, I think. We'll it's, just a, yeah, it's a fully name. dedicated topic. We, 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 <laughs> we found our niche at last. We're, we're just going to keep hammering away at this topic. It's not that who we... Can, who can say enough? We don't really have that much to say about it. It's just that we have a lot to say in general, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Hey, if, we're in the, we're in the middle of Lent. Are you having a good Lent? Yes, Lent is uh, very Lenten. Lenten, and, uh, it's purple. It's forty days yeah. of purple. Yeah, I eat lentil soup, and we have our soup suppers, and it's full of ah. Lenty stuff. Oh, 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 your church does soup su- soup suppers, and uh... well, we were supposed to, but it got canceled last week. So. <laughs> you decided to fast instead. Yeah, actually, uh, a Lent turns into a feast in a lot of our churches. I think because. You know, we don't have these suppers except during Lent. Yeah, I find that ironic in a season of fasting. Yeah. That, that uh, what are we doing for Lenten suppers? <laughs> um, hmm. Shouldn't we be fasting? Yeah, let's, 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 let's skip dinner. Let's pause. Think about this for a little bit. Yeah, but. yeah. And then, of course, the food comes out, and the ladies always do a wonderful job. They cook incredible meals. <laughs> yeah, right. and Cranking and then, out. And then they get bent out of shape at me if I don't bring a bottle of wine. Yeah. Which is... You know, this Lent, is Lent. Lent, Lent Advent, maybe, Lent. but Lent, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we had we had the uh, seminary chorus at, at our church last Sunday. We we just had a blowout brunch. I mean, they, they the the food just kept coming and coming. Thank goodness that Sundays are Sundays in Lent, so they're exceptions. Right. right. Yeah. So so you can kind of turn it loose on Sunday, and then go back to dour living on Monday. I went and heard them down at uh, Faith Capo Beach mm-hmm. and uh, put out a. Good program. Henry always does a great job. Yeah, that's a good. It's a good chorus. You know, I was one of the first of the touring choruses back on the road again because touring was banned during the Seven X era. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I guess it, it had bad associations, and so it wasn't until nineteen. I'm thinking nineteen eighty seven when uh, the chorus went out on tour again. I was I was one. I was with the first chorus that was let loose from the seminary. I never wanted to do the touring thing because I heard horror stories from previous years about how you go a week without sleep or bathing or, you know, I mean, just no. stinky people in a bus, you know. And, no, and just... great, great, uh, great brunches and potlucks. I'll never forget Mobile, Alabama. Okay. What Holy there? mackerel. They, they had this huge, I'm talking huge bowl of shrimp. Ooh. Marinated, marinated in some kind of pepper sauce, and it was good. That's good stuff. I that get on D. That that was that was <laughs> Bubba Gump right there. That was that was great. But no, we always had good food, great hosts. You know, you stay in people's homes. Yeah, and uh, it's their opportunity to quiz a seminarian. So yeah, you know, I stumped the seminarian. I was bending a couple of guys' ears down at Capo Beach, and they didn't realize that I was a pastor. So they're they're looking at me like, "Who is this guy? Right? You know, how does he know all about us?" Qu- like this, quizzing them on the three genera and things <laughs> like that. You know, <laughs> no more about their profs and you know who they liked and what they were taking and all uh-huh. that kind of stuff. But good times, good times. Like I said, Henry Garricky puts out a, a really really fine program usually with these guys and i'd recommend our listeners to uh, go to concordia st louis's website uh, csl.edu 
and you can pick up some CDs of their of their choir over years past. They're they're nice listening. They're good CDs to have in your library. They are, and they're unusual in the sense you know they get a fair amount of critical acclaim because because they are unusual in the sense that it's an all male choir. Right. Uh, usually your your choral stuff is SATB and and things like that. But but uh, uh, and that's kind of Henry Gerke's niche in in the musical world too. Is he does a lot of arranging for four part male voice, mm-hmm. which is a very very cool sound. For, yeah, it for is sacred song. It it really is an interesting sound. It, it is. I, I remember being in the choir, and there I don't know sixty of us in a room or something. Yeah. you know, there are a lot of us, and just a, a very powerful sound. Right, that you don't hear in too many other choirs. It's yeah, I have. I, I think really I nice. have all their their CDs, and and uh, they're really nice. Uh, there's it's a it's a combination of familiar hymns and then some lesser familiar stuff, and a lot of Henry's arrangements on there. But uh, yeah, there was that one swing tune that I wasn't real real thrilled over. I, I kind of looked over like. Not, that's not usual Henry Garricky kind of stuff there. You know, I, think, I, I but, know which uh, one you're talking yeah. about. What was the name of that? It, I it have was, no idea. He hasn't failed me yet. Something like that. Or so, yeah. Well, they sang that we they did the, the divine service with us, and oh, so okay. so we packed in. They did most of the communion hymns hmm. in place of communion hymns. The choir just sang. Okay, and that was the last one. Is that you know he hasn't failed me yet. Or some kind of thing, and I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm listening, and I'm trying to distribute communion, and I'm thinking, man, I should have put this up earlier. <laughs> it, 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 I don't know. I think Henry likes it because of the weird rhythm. Ah, you that know, could be it. Because it was, it is weird. Well, he hasn't failed me yet. Does that insinuate that he will? Someday? Yeah, right. One one day, though. <laughs> I'm expecting the Lord to drop the ball any day. <laughs> anyway, csl.edu and, and look for their choir stuff. And you, you can order it through their bookstore if nowhere else, I'm sure. And uh, it, it, I recommend their choir is fantastic, especially the recording. They, they do all the recordings for the Lutheran Hour. Do they still do that? Uh, I don't think so. I think that was just that was a, a one-time period where they were ah. where they were remaking uh, Lutheran Hour recordings because the recordings that they were using were so old, mm. and so they were they're kind of bringing them back up to speed. Yeah, um, that, no, nothing like that sound from 1954. <laughs> well, that's where you hear that, you know, in the background, <laughs> pop, pop, pop. <laughs> hey, if you want to uh, call us, uh, you can call. 626-593-7713 and leave a message. That's Manly Doctors 13. Manly DRS 13. And boy, we could use a couple of doctors. I think both of us are just, we're like the walking wounded You know, right now I, I'm pretty much over. I got a little tickle, but yeah. uh, then you got nailed with oh, it. Oh, I got I got the full bore. I didn't get the flu shot this year, and, and I just I just took I just took the full attack it, yeah it was it was i was out i was down and out literally for five days i don't know if this is the one that they were giving out the shot for anyway because that's only for certain strains and you well know, my doctor it's... says it's potluck sometimes the shot works sometimes right. it didn't it didn't right. work last year but she said this year's actually works oh well, too late <laughs> should have got that one <laughs> yeah right chalk it up to experience <laughs> yeah well you know my wife said that she said i i can't believe that i didn't get sick and then she said but i got the flu shot there you, you go didn't get the flu shot yeah it's hard to prove a negative you ever never yeah. noticed that you know yeah. I, I i didn't get sick and i got the flu shot well do you know that you wouldn't have gotten sick had you not gotten the flu shot yeah but she spends a lot of time with me and and well she also she, she hangs with kids too 
Yeah, she's bulletproof. The, Nineteen years of teaching elementary school. Man, that is just any a, disease. That's that, a germ factory. That that's she, like a biology experiment going on. Yeah, she'd be resistant to those antibiotic resistant, <laughs> you know, infections at hospitals. Probably don't, don't joke. Those are those, <laughs> those are, are those are serious. I know. I know. Uh, website. Website. Go ahead. It's com. Still, still alive and kicking on on the old website. Yeah, and uh, and the um, what else? The email. Email. That's that was the other. Is Godwhispers at gmail dot com. Godwhispers at gmail dot com. Pretty easy. Well, should we talk about something of substance now? As or... in transubstantiation? <laughs> oh, oh nice. that was a good one. Yeah, we need to change the substance of this discussion. <laughs> good segue. Oh, very, I'll have to oh, make a note here. Oh, segue. Point. Point. Yes. Fifteen for love. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I think the last time that we were, we, and it's been a while, but uh, the last time we were talking about this, we were <laughs> we were on the words of institution and just kind of looking at at certain features of it. Uh, maybe the best thing to do would be to just hear those words again. Just close something on my computer that I didn't want to close. Nice move. Um, let's uh, <laughs> let me. I'll, I'll, re- I'll read it, and then then you can pontificate. All right, because I'm going to check out for a while. I'm just not feeling myself. Uh, but our our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, "Take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me." And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, when he, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. My response is, this is most certainly true. This is most certainly true. <laughs> you know, uh, we were talking last time about Christ indwelling in us in his very body and blood in this way. And uh, we we did talk a little bit about how this supper goes beyond the boundaries of our communion rails. It goes off into eternity in the kairos of of Christ here. And I I just can't help but thinking of one of our old professors who used to say, we are bodied and blooded together in this meal. Yeah, he he loved to turn things into verbs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and, and that always struck me very deeply because... We are taking in Christ, and in Christ, in, we, are, we are truly one body. And so this isn't just my supper, your supper. You know, it's, it's not even our supper. It's the Lord's supper. And we're rejoicing in this together. We are receiving Christ together in this. And it is for us individually. There's no doubt about it, because I receive the bread and the body in my hand or in my mouth, and I receive the blood of Christ and the wine in my hand, well, in my mouth. And in this, I am certainly taking in Christ, but we are taking in Christ together. We are bonded together as one. Um, you know, so we share in this union, communion. We are unified in this together. Well, and yeah. In unified that, in Christ. In together. that word communion, uh, we also hear the word community. Right. Um, or in... in the Greek koinonia, uh, the the root of that is takoina, that is the things in common. So so to have koinonia, which usually gets translated fellowship, fellowship yeah. or or communion, um, it's to have in common. And so I, I think what you're saying there is that we share a commonality in the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. Right, but we aren't just coming together in a pledge. 
You know, like, right. like I pledge allegiance to the flag. Oh, we're all right. American. It's not like a Boy Scout troop or right. something like we, that. We but... are actually taking in the same substance together. We are being united in a physical as well as spiritual way in a very real sense here. Or yeah, am I saying too much? Would you would you no, I, I, bluster at that? I, I think that what Paul says something similar in First Corinthians ten that we who are many are one body right. because because we partake of one loaf. It's it's the result of our our eating uh, that bread. Who is Christ Himself? That we are made one body, and and you know that it, it speaks to a lot of things. We'll we'll, we'll probably talk about. Um, you know, issues of closed communion and, and, and other kinds of things down the road. But it, it, it basically says that, that uh, in spite of over and against all of our divisions, um, God is endeavoring to make us one. And, and, and we, we are united in a very profound way in this sacrament that, uh, that we wouldn't be any other way. Indeed. In fact, I, I almost think, you know, it's the, the, only, the only union that's close— in 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 our realm of of existence would be marriage that is the union of husband and wife in marriage as one flesh uh is is probably as close as you're going to get and this and this union is closer this is a closer communion um that is our union in Christ because that that lasts forever a married the marital union lasts only until death us do part but the uh, our union in Christ is a union that lasts literally to eternity. Sounds good to me. I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned the indwelling, and that's a common thing. I mean, you're the you're the one who comes from an evangelical background, but, but there's lots of lots of talk of Jesus dwelling in me or in my heart. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, that's kind of the clincher. Yeah, it's, it's you know never mind what Jesus did on the cross, and never mind what the Bible says about Jesus. You know the question, the real clincher question is, does he dwell in your heart? Man, every time I hear that, I I think immediately to reading the Hammer of God. Oh yeah, Bo Geertz with the two pastors. Yeah, what, is, what does he want with your heart? That wretched <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, <laughs> how do you know you're you're saved, or how do you know you're a Christian? Well, because I I invited Jesus in my heart, and the older pastor says, "Why would you do that? What did he do to you?" You know, it's just like, <laughs> holy. Don't you realize how dirty and filthy that? Right. Why would you ask Jesus to come and live in that squalor? A fine, a fine gift for a king, <laughs> right? Well, he goes on to say, if I remember the passage correctly, he goes, he goes, it's quite the opposite. It's you haven't given your heart to Jesus, but he's come along and he's found this this wretched tin can yeah. on the side of the road, and he's he's poked his walking stick through it and picked it up and made it his own, and 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 uh, and he's done much more with it than you would ever dream of doing. Right, and, right. Uh, I think he says something in the effect of he he tucks it into his vest pocket and says, "This is my most prized possession." Yes. Or something like yeah. Yeah, right. A rusty, dirty old tin can. <laughs> but that's the way he got it. That's that's nicely said. I, I was looking at uh, the apology here on the Lord's Supper, the apology of the Augsburg Confession, and and uh, we quote uh, Cyril uh, in his uh, catechesis, his exposition on John fifteen. Now, uh, uh, so but he talks about that um, since the body and blood of Christ is in us, does it not also cause Christ to dwell in us bodily through the communication of the flesh of Christ? This is Cyril speaking, and later he says, therefore we must consider that Christ is in us, not only according to the habit which we understand as love, so it's not just Christ dwelling in our hearts by the love of Christ being in us, but also by a natural participation, meaning that that we have actually, um, we've actually received Christ into our own bodies, and so he becomes one body with us. 
So, um, yeah, it's, it's maybe something people don't think about normally when they're going up to the communion rail. No, probably not. I don't know what people think when they go up to the communion <laughs> rail, quite frankly. You I get, get lots of different lots of different things going on there. I think a lot of times it's it's a sense of obligation. A lot of times it's a sense of I don't want to be left out. Everyone else is doing it, I think, also for, for some people. That seems to be the way that things run when uh, you have a visitor – who has no clue what in the world's going on, but they just, you know, they don't want to be the odd man out and look weird. And so they come up to the rail and then swirl and beat them down when they come to his. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, know. like I beat them down, sure. <laughs> but I, I think that there's just a sense in a lot of churches where uh, I'm an American and uh, this is what we're doing is free country, so I'm going to do it too. And it just kind of seems to flow out of that kind of mentality. Do you get this, the same? I'm, I'm, I'm having... I'm having these, I don't know whether it's due to what I'm reading or what I'm listening to, but but I'm always kind of I, I'm I'm becoming painfully aware of what the outsider thinks. You know, in the early church, they thought that uh, at the time of the early church, cannibals. Um, yeah, they thought that, that there was ritual cannibalism yes. going on, and so you 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 see the Christian apologists going to great lengths to to disavow that notion without denying the body and blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they go through very great lengths to disavow the notion that there's actual ritual cannibalism going on as part of the the worship. But you know, I wonder today: Are we so rationalized now that uh, that I mean? Do you get the same? I, I I sometimes get the sense of discomfort: Is what on earth do people think who've never heard this? Hmm. And and they're 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 there as a guest; they're observing. You know, you can almost understand why in the early church they just excluded people, yeah, who were not part of the fellowship. They just well, you know after the sermon you send them you send them home. Yeah, you had the service of the word and the service of the sacrament, right? And, uh, okay, well, the service of the word is over. Everybody can go out and have coffee and donuts now. And uh, if you remember, you can come back in for the Lord's Supper at this point. Well, they you, they you, bolted the doors. Yeah, you were you were not really permitted to leave either. But but you know, I wonder what what they think. They they hear these words. This is my body. This is my blood. And everybody comes trooping up there, and they they receive this little round thing of of this wafer, and and this the sip of wine, and and it's strange to to me. If if I were inventing a religion, I wouldn't be doing this. Uh, in fact, the only reason I do this is because the guy who said to do this rose from the dead. So it's like all bets are off. Yeah. You, you know, you, you hear these words and you say, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, that just that is not rational, sane, normal or anything else. And then you stop and you say, well, who is this Jesus? And if you confess he is truly God and he's the one who spoke everything into creation or into existence, uh, you know, if he says it is – uh, I'm just going to take him at his word on this. That's about all you can do. Yeah. Uh, you know, as many times as I've tried to make this palatable to people, you know, when you try to teach it or people ask honest questions about mm-hmm. the Lord's Supper, and, and, and they're always going, well, it's not really his body and blood, or it's not actually his body and blood, or it's not physically his, you know, all these, the, the, it's, the, it's the adjective that always betrays something. And, and you try really hard to, to explain, but it seems like the more you, tr- the harder you try to explain, the less helpful it is you know and finally you got to say look you know if if you trust that this guy is for real that that jesus isn't just nuts you know and that he really is the son of god and that he actually did die on a cross and rise from the dead and that he actually by that action has atoned for your sins 
Um, you know, if, if you if you believe that, then you may as well go with the program on the rest because there's just no point. You know, resistance is futile here. And explanations are not going to make these words any more palatable or any more rational or reasonable or anything else, you know. I, I contend that this real presence of Christ is no more insane than God being born as a baby carpenter. Uh, <laughs> well, precisely, you know, that, that God and, God in the flesh is enough of a stretch. Right. You know, beyond that, it's pretty much all academic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know, so why would you believe in the in the birth, the way that it happened, in the the sufferings, the miracles, everything else, the death, the resurrection, and and all of that is perfectly possible and acceptable, but this whole body and blood thing is just out of the question. You know, I I think you raise a good point because I I think that's that's historically why the doctrine of Christ and the Lord's Supper are always linked together yeah. somehow. Yeah. That that if you buy into the notion that he is true God and true man in one person, however that works, you know, and 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 that that truly the 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 infinite and eternal Son of God has taken up finite residence, you know, in the womb of Mary and is born as as a human being. If if you buy into that, then it's not really much of a leap to accept this is my body and this is my blood of the Lord's Supper because really all bets are off at that point. Sure, yeah. And, and you know, just because it doesn't make sense to me isn't really a good reason because none of the other stuff makes sense to me either. <laughs> well, you know— I, I mean, according to, to my logical man, the things of God are, are foolishness to the wise. It, it, it makes sense in this sense that I can repeat it. The words mean what they say, is means is, and all of that. And, and I can repeat it to other people, and I can, you know, explain it in the sense of this is what I believe it means. Sure. But if I try to parse how this works— it seems like every time that I open my mouth and say anything about how I just dig a deep hole for myself that I can't get out of. That's something that I usually tell my parishioners on a regular basis is how is usually not a good theological question. Yeah, how can this be kind of explain the mechanics of this for me? <laughs> <laughs> Why is usually a much better question. Well, you know, it, it goes back, and I'm going to introduce John 6 here as kind of an adjunct uh, to the the words of institution. John doesn't have... Uh, any accounts of the words of institution or the the accounts of the institutional Lord's Supper in in his gospel. Uh, But I think instead he substitutes other words and actions of Jesus that inform it. You know, that's that's kind of John's way, Uh, because he knows you got Matthew, Mark, and Luke anyway. But John 6, uh, starting at 60, no, at at 52, where, where the first thing, you know, the Jews ask themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? That's really what we're asking here, because he just said that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And he says, the bread, you know, that I give, I'm the bread of life, the bread I give is my flesh. And so they go, whoa, wait a minute, um, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then he goes on, doesn't explain how. He says, truly, truly, I say that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. No how, just fact. Rough. This, this is it. Yeah. It's rough. <laughs> For my flesh is true food, and my blood my blood is true drink. And, and this gets now to what you were talking about. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. So we're talking about, you know, the indwelling of Christ. How do you know Christ is in you? You eat and drink his body and blood. Sounds good to me. How do you know you're born again? You're baptized. I mean, this is just frightfully objective. You, you know, the churches that I grew up in, a lot of times 
you know, you have to come forward in the altar call and say the sinner's prayer, make it public because uh, whoever confesses me before man, I will confess before the Father and, and et cetera, et cetera. But then they look at our churches and they say, oh, you and your vain rep- repetitions and your and your silliness. But from the get-go, we're confessing Christ for an hour, hour and a half every Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, from from the creed to the Lord's Supper to even confession and absolution to the readings to the preaching. You know, the whole thing is a confession fest. And the congregation adds their amens to the thing, saying, this is certainly true. We agree with this. And yet uh, we probably aren't saved at all because we didn't go forward in an altar call. <laughs> well, we do go to an altar call. I well, mean, we, not we, their we, altar call. We have call. the sacrament of the altar, and we, we go recognizing our sin and the need for God's grace. And, and we, we go and, and uh, we receive. We don't give anything. We receive. But you didn't say the sinner's prayer and sit on the anxious bench. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes the pew can get pretty anxious. I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're... <laughs> yeah, it, it's the, the problem is is where's your attention focused? Is it, is it on you or is it outside of yourself? Right. And and one of the great things that I, I experience at the Lord's Supper is that it is it is completely outside of me. It, it doesn't matter really how I feel about it. I mean, there are some Sundays when. I'm, it's a very joyous thing. There's some Sundays when it's a rather somber thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Sundays where it's nothing emotional at all. You know, does that mean I'm just going through the rope, you know, the the rote thing of it? No, it's just that, you know, my feelings are just, got, like last week I was just sick as a dog. I'm not yeah. feeling anything. <laughs> I'm just trying to get through it. The Sundays are always rough. I, I've been known to ask my elders or deacons in the past, you know, you're just sick as a dog. You, did we say the creed today? Yeah, yeah I, I did that. <laughs> did I, I, miss I asked my wife, "Did we get everything in?" <laughs> but, but uh, you know, th- there is a there is a sense that creeds or anything else can become rote mm-hmm. and repetitious and not you know unthinking. Of course, that and, and nobody denies that. But the flip side is is just as valid. Is that if if I'm making stuff up on the fly and relying on my feelings and my spontaneous utterings, um, there's not a lot of of real objective truth coming out there. Well, there are only two religions in the world, the one that's about Jesus and the one that's about you. Uh, all, all the rest, all right. you know, the ones that aren't all about Jesus from beginning to end are about you. And so you're going to end up with that. Luther said it a different way. There's the religion of God, the religion of man. But basically what it comes down to is it's either about Jesus or it's about you one way or the other. And that's what you have. Let, let's get back to the Lord's Supper here on, on this. Uh, or do you want to get back to John 6? Or John six, that was good too. But I, I is, like John, is John six. six about the Lord's Supper. Of course, it is. I mean, there's, there's, there's no, there's no way you cannot overhear the Lord's Supper from John six. But some of our theologians have said that it's not a Eucharistic uh, passage. Well, I think to be accurate, um, and this goes back to fifteen twenty nine and Marburg and Swingley and Luther. Uh, the, the the problem is Twingley wanted to go to John 6, um, especially where Jesus says, it is the spirit that gives life, the flesh is of no avail. And Swingley and used that to, as an excuse to basically um, say that these are like spiritual metaphors. That he went Jesus, Gnostic on us. Kind of, yeah. kind of. Swingley uh, is probably the biggest problem uh, with regard to the Lord's Supper that we have in, in Christianity, especially Protestant Christianity. 
Um, and so Luther rightly said and, and chalked in on the table, you know, this is my body. The, he, he goes to the words that Jesus said when he instituted the supper. And he said, we start there. Until we get these words right, um, there's not going to be anything uh, not not anything else said, but I think once you've got those words in order, then then John six I think certainly kicks in because we can actually answer the question of the Jews in Capernaum when they ask how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Uh, we know the answer to that, right? In this bread, okay, you know that's how he gives us his flesh to eat in his supper. Uh, now, you know, chronologically, he hadn't instituted yet, so they didn't have an answer to that question. I didn't know if you were going there or to modes of presence, which... Oh, uh, no, no. You know, no, you go no. into modes of presence, you need to pretty much shut up and sit down at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're you're save, saying way too much. You save modes of presence for when you have seminarians from the chorus over at your house, and right. then you can kind of plague them all then, night. Yeah, with you torture the, them with, the, with unanswerable questions, yes. like the peccability of Christ. Was Christ capable yeah, of Yeah, right. No, that's right. That keeps, either that, way you go, you either, you know, deny his humanity or his divinity that's how you keep a seminarian out of trouble you just you just give them like endless term papers on these things you know what we're way over time we need to take a break Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. We're talking about the Lord's Supper. And uh, we, when we left off, we were talking a little bit about John 6. And uh, Christ gives us his body and blood to eat and drink. And people are grossed out and wanting to run away from him. <laughs> They're offended. It doesn't make any sense. They, they are and, absolutely offended. What, what I love about this is that you get down to, to verse 60 and his disciples <laughs> chime in. They say, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Right. And and you know in many ways this is the feeling I get sometimes when I when you try to explain the Lord's Supper to the outsider. I mean, you're, you surely have one of these these kind of these rational moments where you think, "Am I losing my mind here?" You know, because I'm saying, <laughs> "Okay, in the Lord's Supper we eat Jesus' body. He gives us this bread, and we eat it as His body, and we we drink from this cup, and it's His blood." Are you aware of what you're saying here? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and, and people are just kind of, and more and more, because you have people in our culture who, you know, this culture is no longer um, even remotely Christianized. Or if it is, it knows only the the kind of extreme Protestant version of Christianity. Well, and those in our own church tend to be fairly biblically illiterate to boot. So Sadly. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you don't know your scriptures at all, uh, you really run a risk at that point of believing anything or everything or right. nothing or whatever. But but I I think that the the chief problem that, that we have is that we 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 are all um, very much imbued in in the sort of scientific way of of looking at reality. That mm. there's only one real plane of reality, and that's that's at the level of um, uh, what 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 science can can test and and uh, discern and understand. Um, it, it's it's really the, just the mode of thinking of the age now, where where everything that's that's really what's behind like Richard Dawkins and stuff. Basically, he's 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 collapsed all modes of knowing into one mode, a scientific mode. And boy, I tell you, things like the sacraments really run; they, they just grate against this because you're making these huge claims 
of of these little bits of bread and the the sip of wine you're making these huge claims about uh what they are and what they impart and it it can't be tested scientifically you know you can't you can't take a bunch of <clears throat> a bunch of communion wafers and weigh them before and after the consecration <laughs> to see if they've picked up a little bit of weight along the way right. just, it just doesn't work that way you know or stick them in some spectrophotometer you know put the wine in the spectrophotometer to see if there's there's any additional little blips or something to indicate that there's something more there than there was before the words were said and there isn't you no, know, and 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 that's you. You can't observe it. Yeah, and and this this is this is I think a, a probably more of a challenge for us and our people today than ever before because we we are really uh, I think schooled in a in a scientific way of looking at things that if you can't measure it and you can't demonstrate it by by scientific instrumentation and stuff, then it really isn't so. You know, then it's just voodoo. It's just superstition or magic or, you know, something like that. Well, this is where we come into the ministerial use of reason. We subject our reason to the word of God. And it's not saying that we don't have reason or we don't use reason. It's just that do we put our reason above or do we subject it to the word of God? And uh, as Lutherans, we subject it to the word of God. So, so are, you, are you saying that you you check your reason at the door? You're just a faith head, like uh, like Dawkins calls us faith heads. We're faith heads. Well, on some things, yes. Which is a, a nice way of so. Well, he's not nice, but but a way of saying religious stupid head. You you you, well, you become you become a stupid. No, head. because because you can run the gambit of of you know is there evidence of a creator. And you can kind of buy into that because the mathematical probability of all this happening by accident gets more and more extreme every year as we find out more and more about the order of creation and so forth. And then we have the external and internal evidences of who Christ is and the claims and so forth. You know, so yeah, you do you you can use your reason to an extent. This is not going to lead you into the kingdom of God, but it can certainly bolster your faith. At this point, if you're convinced that Jesus is God and that God made everything, then at this point we can say, well, it doesn't really have to all make sense to me because I realize that this God is greater than me and that he operates in ways that I think are just utterly weird and strange. But that's because I'm limited. See, th- this is a bigger um, epistemological question. There's a great nickel word right there. Yeah, that's it, a good one. It, yeah, but uh, it's a, it's about knowing and ways of knowing, and 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 it seems the current the current thinking out there seems to be that there's only one way of knowing, and that's scientifically. That that there's nothing else to be known that cannot be known by by the naturalistic observation of natural processes. And and see the sacraments fly in the face of this because right. they're they're scientifically untestable. Mm-hmm. I can't prove I cannot prove um, by any any r- rational means that the body that the bread is the body of Christ. It's an unprovable statement. It has to be just simply accepted for what it is. Sure, yeah. And and the only reason we accept it is is the guy who said it died and rose from the dead. Absolutely, I, I, I think it comes down to that. Right. And we do have evidence that that happened. You know, it's not just blind faith that we have. We have a very informed faith. And we don't believe Christ simply because we've been shown enough evidence. You know, the, the, the Holy Spirit is involved with this also, who enlightens hearts. Right. 
Right. But it's 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 not like saying, you know, I believe in the Easter bunny or I believe in Santa Claus or 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 that kind of thing. It, we we're making we're we're making claims about a historic guy. Right. Who even if they don't trust the guy for their salvation, acknowledge the guy existed. But Saint Nicholas was a historic guy. Uh, right, but not not the version that we we operate. <laughs> not the one who comes down the chimneys. Right. And, yeah, reindeer and all that. <laughs> but this is this is just this is rough because, it, and I think what's happening is in a lot of areas of Christianity, the Christian gospel is being trimmed down to accommodate that, hmm. um, and that's why that's why I think the non-sacramental churches are really uh, the ones that, at the cutting edge of of reaching out to the culture because they don't have to confront people with this stuff. We we have a paradoxical faith in certain places also where. We do at times say, huh, that doesn't really make sense, but God says so, so I'll believe it, Um, which really ticks off a lot of people like my Calvinist friends, where they say, well, that's just lazy scholarship. You know, you you weren't explaining enough here. And uh, we look at them, we say, well, you're explaining too much. Right. There's not enough data. And and I think this is the ministerial use of reason is is where where there's room to reason, we'll, we'll go for it. Right. There are a lot of implications about the sacrament, which we've been talking about, that are logical deductions. There are things that we're, we are deducing from the fact that it's the body of Christ. But, but uh, that fact can't be logically proven. It's just, hmm. it, it's not, it's, there's no way to demonstrate this. Now, I know you wanted to go to John 15 on this, and I think we oh, yeah. should do that because this all fits together real nicely, and, and uh, you may not see what I'm getting at, but you will. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for you. Yeah, I mean, Jesus in John 6 talks about that, that the one who eats his flesh, drinks his blood, abides in, in him, that is in Christ, and Christ also abides in in the one who eats and drinks his flesh and blood. And that's that runs perfectly parallel to um, what Jesus says downstream in John, where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. That apart from me, you can do nothing. But, but, but uh, as vine and branches, he abides in us and we abide in him. And, and so you have this nice um, analogy, uh, really here a metaphor, a picture of the union of Christ and the believer, which fits very nicely what what happens in the sacrament. That is, the very life of Christ and the death of Christ are made ours, and so we kind of feed off of him as branches do off the vine, and in so doing become fruitful. He produces he produces the fruits of his life in us. See, now this is where some of my Calvinist friends actually go to this verse to prove that Christ isn't physically present in the Lord's Supper, only spiritually present. Watch those, ad- those yeah, adjectives. I know, tell they you get everything. carried away. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so they say, well, you know, he says, this is my body and this is my blood, but, uh, you know, that's a spiritual thing. And then they say, well, he says, I am the door. Is he, uh, you know, it, does he have hinges? Or he says, I am the vine. Is he made out of wood? You know, and that sort of thing, and they, and they just they they say too much here. Well, how, how, how would you respond me as a Calvinist saying, "Well, see, this is proof that it's not his body and blood because you know he's not wood and you know he doesn't have hinges." Well, or take John fifteen that he's not he's not a vine right. and we're not branches. Right? Do you um, have leaves growing out of right. your head? But but see, I would say in all of those, and and including this one, those, those are actually metaphors or analogies. He's speaking by analogy, and in fact, like all analogies, he tells you what the point is. You know, <laughs> I'm the door to the sheep. What does he say? No one comes to the Father except through me. Right. Um, or you know that they they come and they go through him. That's how he's the door. 
Um, How is he the vine that apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. Joined to him, his life abides in us and we in him. So the point of comparison is union, fruitful union. Now, I'm told this. This is interesting. But but let me just add, in, in, in the Lord's Supper, when Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood, he doesn't give any explanation, you know, in the sense of, in this sense. You know, that by believing in me, you, you, you eat of me like bread or something like that. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, this is my body. So there's no, there's no sense of metaphor there at all. He always explains his metaphors. He makes it clear what he's, what he's saying here. Uh, when Jesus says, I am the door, um, wow, I'm losing something here. I completely lost my headphones. Anyway, when Jesus says, I am the door, um, as I understand that, in in ancient days, the shepherd would put the sheep into the pen, and he would actually lie across the entrance. Yeah, he, he would sleep right. across the entrance. So in a very real sense, if Jesus is the good shepherd, then he truly is the door. Right. Because he's he's guarding us in this way. Yeah, uh, although, like you say, it's not made of wood, and he doesn't have hinges. No, but do all doors, you know, I mean, but, but I'm he, a big guy. I fill a doorway pretty well. I'm a door. He, you know? He's he's the gatekeeper. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. he's the access. And, and uh, you know, and he contrasts himself there with the thieves and the robbers that go over the fence and, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, in all of these things, he gives what the point of comparison is. And and this is this is the this is the Swinglian fallacy. You know, Swingley's way out of all of this was to say it's all a big figure of speech. Right. You know, everything is just metaphor. And well, so so when it says the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins, it doesn't really mean the blood of Jesus. It means that that's a metaphor for Jesus forgiving work. <laughs> you know, uh, and and so when Jesus says, this is my body, he doesn't really mean that. He says, he's basically, this is a figure for my body, you know. Why did Zwingli put so much emphasis on do this in remembrance of me instead of what it is that we're to do in remembrance of him? Do you, do you know? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, yeah. Zwingli was very anti-Catholic, really, politically. I right. mean, he died on the battlefield. Yeah, he did. He was a chaplain, died on the battlefield. Yeah, no, but he, I mean, he, he died With in a battle. sword in his hand. You bet. I mean, he was fighting papal forces. Yeah, everybody's got a context. Um, you know, Calvin was not like that. Calvin was an academic. Right. And, well, he was a lawyer. Yeah. Which says it said, tells you, know, you a lot. There, yeah. It says flee right there. <laughs> but, but our leader is a lawyer. Run. But his, you know, his, and his approach is different from Swingley. Sometimes we Lutherans call everything reformed, but it, it's not. No, it, it's Calvin. Bad. Calvin basically adopted Augustine's sign theory, and and basically says that the bread is a sign, an effective sign. Of, of the body of Christ. And so reality is kind of running at two levels at the same time, a physical yeah, and the, a spiritual level. The signifier and the thing signified. And, right. Yeah. And, and, and so, and, and that's at least, if you understand it the way Augustine said it, it's not all that bad because, because the sign is never divorced from the thing, thing signified. And, and so, you know, the idea is that we, we partake of Christ in one sense physically and in another sense spiritually. Okay. You know, and it's just, it's just not, it just isn't is. That, that's really the problem. It's like, that's nice. It, it, it's a great theory, but, but it's just not is. I don't know if I got into this uh, in a previous episode, so stop me if I did, but uh, a friend of mine is a Calvinist, and we were sitting around talking one day, and he was getting ready to leave, and he kept hammering me on the Lord's Supper. And I said, look, on the last day, if I'm standing before Jesus— and he says, Craig, I, 
I said it's my body and blood, but you know, really, did you believe that? Were you that stupid to believe that? I, on this one thing, this is the only thing that I could ever answer God on is say, I took you at your word. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I said, I said, but you on, on the last day, if you're standing before God and he says, I told you it's my body and blood, but you insisted that it wasn't. I said, what is your answer going to be? <laughs> yeah, well, he got in his make, car and drove off. It he didn't, didn't make sense to me. You know, it, it, that's a version of Pascal's wager. Yeah, yeah. If we're wrong and 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 a little too uh, hyper about Jesus' words, well, okay. I mean, how much harm is there? <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> if, I, I took you at your word. I'm a moron. If okay? we're right— you know, and and the other thing is, I, w- I would add that you have you have a ton of church history that basically all agrees with that. Right. And and these guys weren't dolts. They you know some of them, most of them were were quite educated people. And uh, and 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 let's face it, the, the original twelve that were sitting around. I mean, some of them are fishermen. I don't know about you, but fishermen are some of the most practical people in the world. Yeah. You don't you don't pull fast ones on some good old boys from Galilee, <laughs> you know, because they're uh, they're picking the chew out from between their teeth. You and know? these are the guys that'll call out the BS first. Exactly. You know? Yeah, no, I'm not buying that. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not. They, they haven't been sitting around, you know, reading Platonic philosophy. They've been going. They've been fishing and 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 that's that's one thing that always amazes me is that the simplest gospel linguistically john's yeah is the most intricate and deep gospel theologically hmm. you know written by a fisherman now you know these guys are are not that easy to bamboozle and 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 I'm sure they kind of looked at each other funny when Jesus was distributing the bread and says, "This is my body," but but look at the way John treats it in his gospel, or look at the way he speaks of things like that in First John, where he talks about the water and the blood and the Spirit testify, you know, and 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 it all hinges on the incarnation because because the Word became flesh. Hey, this is the way it is. You know, yeah. it's like the rules have changed. Yeah, isn't isn't that interesting? In John one, he he just goes to the core of it, uh-huh. the incarnation, and you're right. I mean, he, this guy's the same. I never really thought about that. That John is is basically educationally probably a high school graduate, and that's about it. Well, he's probably, I mean, he's like you. He didn't, you know, he got his <laughs> GED somewhere. <laughs> but but you know, you I'm, and I. That's it. I'm getting my PhD <laughs> now just yeah, to show you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, you you know, you know people who who like they. I I don't mean this. They work for a living. They deal in real things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and these people are hard to BS. He's a ditch digger. Yeah, right. You know, because <laughs> they just they you know they'll tell you, well, well, I know what's right and I know what's wrong, and that ain't right. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, if you ever want a lesson, become a pastor because you'll have uneducated people school you all day long. Well, yeah, and 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 all that all that academic stuff. I mean, it's important. Just like if you're a doctor, like your dad was a doctor, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, all that all that medical school stuff's really important. But but when push comes to shove, you gotta you gotta be dealing with that guy who doesn't doesn't put up with a lot of BS. Right. You know, yeah. he doesn't care what medical school you went to, he just wants you to fix the problem. Right, right. So, you know, but with look at John. John could have had his head stuck in the clouds with, you know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he could have left things just in that Gnostic abstract ooze up there. But what does he do? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And see, once he says that, literally all bets are off. That's that's the end of all this Gnostic nonsense. Yeah. 
and yeah. and that's that's I'm afraid what happens with the sacrament. Everybody goes closet gnostic. It's spiritual, you know, meaning it's not really physical or not really actual. Especially really. today, we we have just such an over spiritualized world. <laughs> I, I sort of quote unquote. I, I remember. You know, in my dating days, you'd see people who say, "Well, I'm spiritual but not religious." Did I tell you what I did? What I, did, I have no idea what that means. What I did to a discussion forum that I was on. No, I, 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 I led with, "I'm religious but not terribly spiritual," <laughs> <laughs> and I got howls of protest. You can't do that. And I said, "Hey, if you could separate it one way, you can separate it the other way too." And and I meant it sort of. I mean, it, it depends how you define things. But right. by that, I meant I believed in objective religious things. I I didn't rely on subjective spiritual feelings, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, we're we're all kind of kind of closet gnostics here, and and the sacraments kind of kind of almost are like a safeguard against that, because God does spiritual things through material things, mm. you know, mm. and 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 so Christ doesn't just come to us spiritually, or or we don't go reaching up into heaven to uh, go and commune with Him spiritually by faith, but He actually makes Himself present body and blood present in in these material things of bread and wine and says eat and drink it it doesn't get more material than eating and drinking i i love the fact that jesus comes as an average joe you know he he comes as a regular guy and then he leaves us sacraments that are just regular things you know some some crusty bread and some cruddy wine and and some tap water and and you know this becomes a bath of eternal life and a meal of you know the feast of heaven. See, so, yeah, you know, it, it's it's the, but it's the ordinary stuff. It's the ordinariness that trips people. Yeah, yeah. Because because if the thing glowed like uranium in Homer Simpson's pocket, <laughs> um, you know, people would be all over that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, but because because God just buries this under the ordinary and dares us to take him at his word. That's where the stumbling block is. And so he buried his son under the ordinary also. Absolutely. And, you know, it, a carpenter from Nazareth. You know, it doesn't get more ordinary than that. Yeah. That's like, what's that uh, town that Rush Limbaugh is always making fun of up in uh, Northern California? Rio Linda. Rio Linda. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like. That's where Velveeta cheese is sold in the gourmet cheese aisle. <laughs> <laughs> that's like Jesus coming as a truck driver from Rio Linda. Right. You know, this is God. He's a truck driver from Rio Linda, California. Right. Then he break. gets himself crucified. So things just go from bad to yeah. worse at ends that up point. In the, ends up in the gas chamber. For some crime that he never committed. So, you know, I, but I think it's important to acknowledge this and not deny it. it the, 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 the sacraments are really a, really a stumbling block to the rationalist. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and not, not to try to squirm out of it. It, it just, it, this is just the reality that, that there are things known that are not knowable by reason and senses and measurement. Now, before we get too much further, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, we we kind of hit on the Calvinists uh, and their understanding, and uh, we've been talking about our understanding, and we hit on Zwingli. Well, what's the deal with transubstantiation in Rome? Yeah, we we mentioned that before. Trans yeah. transubstantiation means change in substance, and so I mean the whole idea is Aristotelian that that uh, things have substance and accidents; they have outward properties, and they have this kind of this inward um, essence that makes the thing what it is. So bread has this substance of bread that all bread shares in common, whether it's whole wheat or rye or you, you name it. It's, it has the substance of bread. Um, and there, the, the theory goes that, uh, 
that when the priest who has the power to uh, to to change the substance the by hocus uh, pocus, <laughs> I don't know whether that story is true or not. That uh, you know you know the story right? That yeah, hoc est corpus, corpus meum. Yeah. Uh, it was heard as hocus pocus. I, some, I, you know that that needs to be run through Snopes. That has urban <laughs> legend written all over it. I, but but the whole idea being that by the power of the words of Christ uh, delivered by the priest, he changes the substance, transubstantiation, changes the substance from bread to the body of Christ. So it's no longer really bread. Actually, in substance, it's the body of Christ, and likewise the wine. Though it's that's a lesser thing because they don't really uh, talk about the cup quite as much. And you know, again, what are you going to say? At, at, at least they say it's the body and blood of Christ. <laughs> I, I got to give them that much. You know, uh, be, beyond that, it, it it really is. It's saying is is pretty compact. You know, and again, is 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 a rather humble word. Two letters. We use it all the time. And and you know it it I don't know what it is about sinful humanity that just can't leave is alone. And, it depends on what is is. Well, yeah. See 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 all the trouble that got us. <laughs> and and I like to point out, and it's an, I think an important thought that is retains both that the body of Christ is bread, as much as the bread is the body of Christ, and and so he doesn't ask us to do something unnatural, that is, eat his body, but he asks us to eat this bread as his body and promises to give his body as this bread. And there's a, you know, there's a big difference there. That gets you out of the, you know, am I eating Jesus' little little finger or his big toe or some, some you know, gross distortion like, like that. So, you know, what, what can we say? I, I think part of the problem with the Lord's Supper ever since the Protestant Reformation is we spend way too much time arguing about um, what it is rather than doing what he said to do. I just went to Snopes and put in Hocus Pocus yeah. and Hocus Pocus Origins. Nothing. Nothing? Got nothing. Well, we may have to write it up then. I, I, <laughs> I didn't think that they'd literally have I didn't think they'd literally I, have hey, something. When you but, said it, I thought it's worth a shot. So, you know, you know, one thing, if you look at church history, it, it, there have been there were centuries of ex, of uh, of speculations and explanations about the Lord's Supper, and uh, people just happily kept communing every Sunday. Yeah, and you know Augustine had his his theory that would kind of become formalized in Calvinism, but it was just kind of viewed as just one man's take on it. You, you think maybe I kind of long for those days when you could sit around and speculate and not not have it all turn into dogma all of a yeah, sudden. You know, yeah. it's just such a drag. Well, you think maybe Augustine would have said, "Well, I didn't mean anyone to take me too serious on that." It's just you know thinking out loud, or you well, know, yeah, that, that's right. Or, there there is a huh. lot of thinking out loud, <laughs> right? Or or thinking under the pressures of the time. Sure, where, where where people are are looking for the clarification as to what these things mean, and uh, but you know these days everybody's got it all formalized and formulated down on paper, in with under you know yada yada, and and it's like there's almost no room for conversation anymore, hmm. godly conversation. I'm not saying denying what Jesus said, but I think there's a certain way in which faith can actually kind of revel in the words and and sort of uh, wonder about it a little bit. So. It almost sounds like you're saying that it's not imperative that we understand that it's the body and blood of Christ. <laughs> Do we actually understand? I mean, I don't. 
No, I'm not saying that we understand how it is, I, but just that. I'm is. just running with the is, baby, and, and <laughs> that's, that's and, and and like I think I think you said it the best is is like well if if my biggest error in this life is I took him too seriously on this point, well, so be it. I'd be guilty as charged. We do that on women's ordination, don't sure. we? Yeah. You know, yeah. we say, okay, yeah, we can go and parse these verses and wonder whether it was meant for all time or whatnot, but hey, we're going to err on the side of caution because there's a lot of stuff at stake here. And if we're wrong... Uh, no biggie, okay? So, you know, so a couple, couple people got denied some equal opportunity employment, but holy mackerel, for right, you know, there's a whole bunch of people in a peck of trouble. <laughs> well, with that, we need to take a, a break. Peck for, a peck of trouble. A peck of trouble. There's no break. This is the end. <laughs> we're still taking a break for a week here. I, I want you to go to uh, newreformation.com. Check out. They've got a new pocket edition of the New book Reformation Press. Newreformationpress.com. Thank you for correcting me on that. I always do that. Uh, they have new music there, uh, Anonymous 4, and a great DVD, Singing the Faith. And But uh, they don't have... They don't have this. <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a 